This week I was looking, doing research, and you know, sometimes you put in a particular set of terms for Google, and it gives you things, you're like going, wow, I never would have thought that would pop up. And so this week in doing that, I got a hit on that I should look at King of the Hill. Now, if you're familiar with your Fox TV network, King of the Hill is one of their, you know, animated shows and all. I've watched maybe one episode ever, and then a few episodes here and there. But this episode sounded interesting, so I went and found it online. And this particular episode, you need to understand, King of the Hill is set somewhere down, in my mind, I think it's like South Central Texas. To me, it's very an Austin type of show, I'm not sure. And Hank lives there with his family. And Hank just represents so many good old boys down there. In this particular episode, Hank needed a new church. So he went church shopping. You know why he needed a new church? Because someone was sitting in his chair, (laughs) in his pew, and they would not get out. Dave Stanton, I just want to let you know, that's Larry's chair, okay? (laughs) And Larry just left. You're going to have to deal with this, all right? And so Hank and his family go church shopping. And so they go, and, and everyone has a good recommendation. So they go to one, it's a little more lively than he's liking. They go to another one, and it's a little more kumbaya-ish than he's liking. And he goes, and he goes back and negotiates with his old pastor. Not going to budge. No, the new family gets to keep the seats. So he goes, I never thought I'd see the day, but I'm going to that mega church. So he goes to the mega church. They pick him up in the parking lot in the tram. They take him up there, you know. <laughs> One of the lead ushers was a, uh, had owned a chain of, like, TGI Fridays or something. So he had all these extra little round vibrating discs, you know. And so that's what they use as their communication device and all. And so he was there, and he thought it was pretty cool for a while. But then it eventually kind of fell apart for him. It was a little much for him. His wife kind of took over. His wife became the Rosanna Colombo of the church on steroids. She was taking over the church, and Hank, they were just asking Hank to do too much stuff. All he wanted was his chair in church. We find out that he goes and he bribes, I guess maybe is the word, or he coerces the new family away from his old church so he can have his pew back. That's how Hank got his pew back. The problem is... That was a slice of reality TV. For real. That was a slice of reality TV. And the things, the reasons, and the ways that people choose to go to church. Like, why do you go to the church you go to? And so that is, um, you know, some people are only going to go to a church with a certain name or label on it, right? And some people are only going to go to a church that only sings hymns. And not the way that he jazzes them up. They want the real deal. You know what I mean? They want it with the organ back there. And they don't want any extra words or any extra verses. They want it the way that Jesus wrote it. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. There's just lots and lots of reasons. And we've been talking about local church, and we've been talking about life in the local church and things like that. And so this morning, I've got a question for you. What does a healthy church look like? And to answer that question, the very first thing you have to do is, well, what does the Bible say about that? 
What does the Bible say a healthy church is supposed to look like? Well, we can look into Scripture, and we can learn a few things really quickly. But I'm going to just give you a little bit of a definition that I've had in one of my books that I've used often in just referencing and researching church and stuff. And here's a little bit of a definition. The local church is composed, or the local church is made up of professing believers in Jesus Christ who have been baptized and practice the Lord's Supper and are organized to do God's will. It doesn't sound very inspiring, does it? No. But let's just work with it. Let's go from there. And say, so what would it be that a church would do as God's will? Or you might even say, what is a church's mission, maybe, is what you'd say. So let's look at some passages, because I think that the Word can give us some direction on that. So one of them is in John 13, John 13, 34 and 35. And in there it says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for another. Right? Another one. Go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All right? We're still good, right? Then there's, and I've been studying 2 Corinthians lately. And then here's this passage out of 2 Corinthians 5.19, where he says that Christ has given us a spirit of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And so as me- believers of the body of Christ, as members of the body of Christ, as believers in Jesus Christ, he has given us that ministry of reconciliation that we would also be preaching Christ and seeking to see men come to him. Ephesians 4 is a passage that I hope many of us are familiar with. Ephesians 4, um, 11 and 12. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the building up, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ. There's just another one. Colossians one twenty eight, And we proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, that we may present every man complete in Christ. He goes on in that passage in verse 29. He says, and for this purpose also. So here's Paul. He's like our rock star, right? And Paul says that we are supposed to present every man in Christ. And then Paul says, and for this purpose, presenting every man in Christ, this is what I labor and I strive for according to the power that God has given me. So This sounds like it's a pretty big deal to Paul to present every man in Christ, complete in him. Then also, Acts, we can go to the book of Acts there, and Acts 2, chapter 42, and it says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And and it says, committing to teaching, communion together, to being together, to prayer. And so we could summarize some of these things like this, perhaps. To do God's will, it would include loving one another, making disciples, the ministry of reconciliation, equipping the saints, proclaiming Jesus, and presenting every man as being complete in Christ. And then in Acts in there, there is that emphasis on fellowship and relationship, and we see that through Paul's teaching as well. And could we add more things? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can hear... 
Uh, you know, some of us right now are saying, well, you didn't say anything about prayer, right? You know, and, and, then it doesn't, and then you didn't say anything about leadership because Paul speaks in, in Acts 14.23 about um, that, he, that when they had appointed elders in every church and then the whole instruction from Titus and Timothy as well. Paul also speaks in Ephesians about speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and there's the reason right there that we should only be singing hymns right there because Paul said so. Jesus wrote them. Paul talked about them. We sing them, all right? Spiritual songs, singing and making melody. We didn't, you didn't say anything about all that. Well, I would just like to suggest that what we have here, we've constructed an umbrella that all these things can be swept up in. But the larger principles of what the local church is going to be about, it should be about, is caught up in the umbrella that I've tried to construct here. So, would it be safe to say that the New Testament church is identified by what they do and who they worship. Are churches identified by what they do and who they worship? So think about that for a minute. So let's just say that you've gone on vacation and you went to church and you walked in and they never talked about Jesus. What do you think you would say is important to that church, or not important to that church. Let's say that you go on their website, you go on our website, and you say, well, what's this church about? And you look up what they do, and what their programming is, and what they say they are about. Can you say that you'd look at that summarized list of stuff and say, well, they, it looks like they are involved in discipleship, or, or no, all they're really involved in is feeding the hungry, and all these other things, that, but, you know, and and they bless the bicycles, and they bless the dogs, but I don't see much about discipleship on there. I think we can say that we ought to be able to say, rather, that is the church busy with loving one another, with making disciples, with proclaiming Jesus, equipping the saints, presenting every man as being complete in Christ? There are a few things I want us to look at here today as what these elements might look like and whether you would say that you're involved in a church that is doing them and then further still, whether you are involved in these things as well. So the first one is, are the relationships, what are the relationships like in the church? Can you say that they are truth-telling relationships? We talked about this a few weeks ago. What do you do with someone who has stepped away from orthodoxy and doctrine and godliness and and they're living on the fringe of church life and they are living in sin? They're, They're choosing to disobey God. You know, what does that relationship look like in the local church? And we talked about that is, you know, there's two or three things that typically happen. You go and you blast them and you kind of abuse them verbally with how bad they are. Or you go and you act like nothing's wrong at all. Or you go and you say, can we talk? I feel like I'm seeing this. That would be a truth-telling type of relationship. Is that local church one that has relationships in it 
where people participate in truth-telling. Now, obviously, that last thing, the thing we want to be about in the context of truth-telling is not something you see on a Sunday morning because Michael's not going to stand up and scream across the back of the room to Jason back then and say, Brother, I think I just need to talk to you about this. You don't see it happen like that in the local church. Praise God, and at least in our church, you know. And so there's a little trick to this. You have to be involved enough to know whether it's happening or not. Is there sacrificial love happening in that church? Is there conflict resolution that happens in that church and and people stay and they love each other through difficulty and disagreement and hurt? Or do they fly at the first chance, at the first sign of difficulty? Are people seeking each other out, wanting to know how they're doing, where they are, what they're doing? And that's especially true when people are struggling. And some of us are struggling. Sometimes we haven't seen someone in a while. Let me just say, like, there's a lot of ideas about church, and this is one that let's talk about real quick. There are some ideas about church, and I grew up in some churches like this, where it is the pastor's job. And you could put anything after that. (laughs) You could put anything before that, but it's the pastor's job. In the context of our church, it's, you know, I have certain jobs and all, but then there's jobs that we as elders should do. But then in the equipping of the saints, we're equipping all of us to do aspects of ministry as well. And so it's not only my job to go and find the sheep that are wandering. It is also your job because that's what it means to be in relationship with them. And that's what it means to be loving them. And that's what it means to be stepping into that awkwardness. You remember we talked about that a few weeks? Step into the awkwardness of relationship and say, I love you enough to step in here and say, I'm a little awkward, but like, are you okay? I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? I, I don't see, like, I feel like you're, like, kind of fading. Are you all right? Is that happening in the church? Being together in loving relationships that are sometimes hard are critical to church life. As a matter of fact, Loving one another is the most disarming and convincing of all apologetics before a skeptical world. How we love each other is a humongous, undeniable statement about Jesus in our lives and his transforming us into his image. What about this? Second one. What opportunities exist to be in the Word? Because this is how disciples are made. Disciples are not made by, I mean, as much as I like some of the devotional books that we use and that we encourage people to be a part of, and as much as I like some of the books that we use, I think that our book that we give out and we give away for free, The Treasure Principle, is one of the best books on just some really great discipleship principles you could give anybody, but that's not the Bible. And that's not how we make disciples. It's a part of it. But that's not how we make disciples. It's just a part of it. It's how we, by being in the word of God, that's how we present every man complete. 
And so here's an issue. Is that can you make disciples and them not be in the Bible? Can you make disciples and you consider that the Bible is not really true? Because that's the other thing you need to know about a church, is what does this church believe about the Bible? Is it the absolute authoritative standard for life and things, of, you know, for life, for moral decision-making? Or is it only used as is convenient to achieve a purpose or a plan? Or is it just a book of stories that we pull like Aesop Fables, and that when you pull the thorn out of the lion's hand, he's going to like you, and the Bible has some nice stories like that too. Because it's not like that. Because Paul says that the, the Bible is living and alive and able to cut asunder between bone and marrow. That the Bible gives instruction to us. That it gives us, that it encourages us. That it, it, because that alive and well part, it, it does things in our heart that nothing else can really affect. I mean, like, Les Mes, something I really like, not that I've ever read the entire book, you know, but I've, you know, but so something inspiring like that can inspire us for a moment, but it doesn't change us for a lifetime. And God's word can and will when we invest into it. That is what it means to become a disciple. That's what it means to follow him. You see, and the other thing is, is that doctrine is important. What we believe the Bible is teaching is important. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, he says, um, In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, constantly nourished in the words of the faith and in the sound doctrine which you have been following. And the very next verse, in verse 11, he says, Prescribe and teach these things. And then in the following verses, he says, Give attention to the public reading of Scripture and to exhortation and teaching. And then he goes further. And then these are the words he uses about what he just said to Timothy. He says, take pain, be absorbed, pay close attention, persevere in these things. It sounds like that I might be reading this wrong. I didn't look up the Greek. But it sounds like that being in the Word together as a church is important, doesn't it? We need to be in God's Word, and we need to be in God's Word with other Christians. Does your local church value evangelism? Are you encouraged to share the gospel? Are you trained to share the gospel? Are, are people praying for the lost? Are they seeking to be with the lost as opposed to protecting themselves from the lost? You know, those lost people are pretty scary. They'll lead you straight to hell. Don't hang out with them. It just won't go well. And yet, we are instructed to take the word of God to the lost. We're instructed to take those who have not come into faith yet and that we're just supposed to love them to Christ. We're supposed to be sharing the great penalty for their sin that Christ paid. Apart from that, they don't have any hope from ever hear, if they don't ever hear about him. Ministry is done best in your backyard, over your fence with your neighbors, in your offices, in the park or the coffee shop. We don't do a lot of evangelistic events here at Crossing. 
for that very reason. We believe that evangelism is most effective because you're in a relationship with another person and they know your life and so you can speak to them in a way that they think what he's talking about is true. But you can come here today and have never met me and I can say anything at all and you know I have no reason to believe me because you don't know me. So relationships are the vehicle for evangelism. So we don't do a lot of evangelistic events here at Crossing. Perhaps the only really, perhaps, earnest evangelistic events are Christmas and Easter and baptism services. We do, we participate in Flood Philly down at the block parties in Philadelphia and Kensington. But all other events we do here are really intended to introduce your unsaved family and friends to your church family and most importantly to Jesus. It's a bridge builder. It's an opportunity to just let them see you in a different light. And we've done the kind of training we're talking about. We have had the the Winter Bible Conference just this year on apologetics. We promoted the book Tactics for you to take home and apply. We just did a training for the M28 Bible study method. As well as we've had for a long time a a group of guys, people who just came together and said, this is who I'm praying for, can you pray for them with me? As well as Scott Brubecker leading us in training about sharing the gospel. But here's a couple of bonus points. Do you believe the leadership of your church is earnestly seeking to shepherd you and your family? Do you, will this church give you the chance to serve others and use your spiritual gifts? These are questions that you should be asking. These are questions that you should be a part of. And you don't want to be a part of a church where only the hired guns, only the select few are able to participate in ministry. Where only those who have performed well and have lived well, can participate in ministry. There are people doing ministry up here, right now in front of you, who are hateful and selfish and mean-spirited every day of the week. And so you don't have to be squeaky clean to participate in ministry. But some churches would tell you do. Finally, this is going to hurt some of you. No church is perfect, and your participation will only make it more imperfect. <laughs> There's a little typo in there. I'll hear about that one. I... No church is perfect, and your participation will only make it more imperfect. But praise God, we serve a perfect Jesus that empowers, transforms, equips, and works through our imperfections. Matter of fact, you know, he even says that our imperfections are the very power of Jesus, where the power of Jesus is perfected, 2 Corinthians twelve nine. When looking at a church, look for what they say about Jesus. He should be at the forefront of all that they say and do. He should be talked about in the beginning, the middle, and the end of every gathering. He should be the object of their attention, their studies, and our service. Only Jesus is deserving of that. Don't ever toy with the church where the big deal is the preacher. And they have coloring pages of him, which is happening in our churches. Don't ever be a part of that. Jesus is the one we're here to exalt. Finally, let me just... What is your role in making the church you choose more like Jesus? What is your role in making the church that you're a part of, this one here from most of you in this room, what is your role in 
helping crossing to be identified as saying, that church over there, they talk about Jesus. That church over there, that stuff you hear about churches, I think they really mean it over there. You see, because really, my primary audience is just you. But each of us have scores of other people who know you. And who you are out in the community is who we are known as being as a church. You remember a few weeks ago I said, whatever God is doing in your life, he's doing here in this church because that's the nature of relationship and being bound by the Holy Spirit. Well, I know that none of you go around wearing, I go to Crossing Community Church and you should too, kind of t-shirts. But I'll tell you this, whatever you're doing out in your community, in your job, in your home, whatever it is, whatever you're doing out there, and then you come and say, oh, by the way, and I go to Crossing Community Church, they'll look at that and they'll say, that's what that church is about. That's what that church is like. If that church is like him, I don't want to go there. If that church is like him, I would love to go there because I really respect him, her, you. That's one thing. Is your daily walk resonates about crossing, but more importantly, because we're not trying to build a name here, a brand, it resonates about Jesus. But I just want to speak about a couple of things, and that's one of them is be here. Be here on Sunday mornings. The new trend, and it's true, we see it here at Crossing, is that regular church attendance means that you come twice a month. He will say that's regular church attendance. That means you come twice a month, and I guess that is regular. But relationships are built not because... In the context of not seeing you for two or four weeks, I'm not building a relationship with you. But when you come here, and you're involved here, and you come Sunday mornings, and you're regular in the sense that you come most every Sunday, what happens is you do begin to build relationships. And you don't come here because you need to be here all the time. You come here because someone sitting next to you needs you to be here. You come here because someone sitting around you needs to hear how God is working in your life. How he's transforming you. Or the vice versa. That's okay too. It's really healthy to say, I don't really feel like I can sense God in my life. That's okay too to come and share. And it's, and, and it's really hard to do ministry downstairs and other places when it's like, um, I won't be here that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. But I will be here that one. It's hard to staff ministries like that. And see, and the thing is, is we come together because we are getting something from this, I'm assuming. And we're able to put our children in ministries and stuff. And so people coming together and being here and being available and participating and contributing that way makes it possible to continue to keep those ministries happening. Otherwise, it kind of becomes kind of self-consuming where the same person is downstairs all the time. Speaking of which, I have a couple of people I need to get upstairs and get them in our services because they're downstairs every single week. 
being here and being available is a big deal. Taking advantage of equipping classes and other training things is a big deal. Attending a small group or a Bible study or being in a mentoring or discipleship relationship with someone is a big deal. Being in a church and serving and exercising your spiritual gift in a way that you're serving somebody else and you're being served by their spiritual gift, those are big deals. I've, had, I've heard people said, and I never had really the courage to do it, but I think that's changed now. I'll say it for now maybe. But people come and they've said once in a while, well, you know, I just don't see you doing this kind of ministry here. I think I'm going to go someplace else that has it. Well, and I've kind of let them do that. And I don't, don't think we're going to do that anymore. I think we're going to say, oh, that's great. We'd love to have that ministry. When would you like to start it? What would you like to do to be able to help us get that going? Because if it's something you want, I'm assuming you're going to jump right in and make it happen with us, right? Otherwise, I'm assuming you're here just to consume and not really participate. That's not what church is about. So if you have a ministry you're really interested in, come and talk to us because I I think there's a lot of opportunity that exists for people to to take what God has made them passionate about and to see that come to life. And then, let's just close with this one. And this is the thing that people always say church is notorious about, but you can't say that about crossing because I've been preaching for 10 years and I know when I preached about money and when I didn't. And I haven't said anything about money in probably over a year. But if you're here and enjoying the ministry, then as God would direct you, I'm asking you to ask him how he wants you to give towards that ministry. I'm asking you to ask God how he wants you to give towards that ministry. And I believe that he'll answer you. And then you will have to decide whether you want to obey in that or not. You know, it takes the giving, the sacrificial giving of all of us to make the church grow and happen and to have the ministries that you want to have happen here and to see the things happen you want to see happen here. But if that giving is not happening, then that growth and those things that we want to see happen aren't happening either. So ask God about it. Ask God what he would have you do in regard to giving to your local church. I hope that very few of you are looking for a new church home. Actually, after this, you might be. And I would like to think that you have one here at Crossing. And if that's the case, then as a church family, we need to be seeking to make Crossing that place where the attributes we've talked about here today are are present and thriving. And so many of you are in so many ways. And I'm grateful for that. Really grateful for that. For seeing people do things that they don't have to do and then no one asks them to do and they do it all the time. Really, really grateful for that. 
But I'm just going to say this. The most important stuff is this. Are we giving people the opportunity to be discipled? Are we giving people the opportunity to be trained and to share about Christ? Are we giving people the opportunity to be in the Word? Are we giving people the opportunity to come together and love each other and encouraging that? Those things are essential. Those things are key. That we're talking about Jesus each and every week, first and foremost. And we do that together. We do that together. So, let's pray.